Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is a rather gloomy Simon Hughes and it's the analyst inside cricket looking back at the second test in Adelaide and I, I did say that we might be hearing or being experiencing a party of the Barmy Army celebrating a great victory. There will be a party going on in Adelaide amongst the Barmy Army but it'll be a drowning your sorrows party because that was a bit of an anticlimax, Simon, really. Well, a huge anticlimax, not unexpected, we must say that. We flagged it up yesterday we thought it was 70-30 in Australia's favour. Other people said it was 80-20. As it turned out, it was 100 naught because Australia flattened England on the final day. It wasn't that England frittered their wickets away. Australia just bowled really well. And Josh Hazelwood broke open England's resistance on the final day very early on, getting a wicket in his first over. Chris Wokes caught behind and then Joe Root in the third over of the day, his second over. And once that had happened then it was game over, really. It's just a question of, of when it was going to happen. And it happened 10 minutes before the scheduled tea break, the first interval of the day. England had no chance once Hazelwood took those two wickets. He bowled really well as well, right in that corridor. And England didn't bat badly. They just got out to good balls. Well, it's interesting you mention about the, the skill of the Australians because I think they've been absolutely outstanding in the first two test matches. Uh, it's easy to say, well, England should have played better, but this attack, this Australian attack, reminds me of the Pakistani attack of the 1990s. You've got the fast left armour of Mitchell Stark, who is certainly reminiscent of Wazim Akram, the way he can go both over the wicket and round the wicket, targets the stumps, very good with the reverse swing. They've got two very good fast right-arm bowlers, in Josh Hazelwood and Pat Cummings. You don't get any loose balls with them. They've got great control of the movement as well. And that's a bit like the, the Pakistanis, Shobaktar and Waka Yunis. And then an excellent spinner, Nathan Lyon, kind of in the mould of either Mushtaq Ahmed or Saklane Mushtaq. And that attack that the Pakistanis had in the 90s really ran riot through a lot of teams and England couldn't, couldn't handle them then. And I, I, I don't really blame England for not being able to handle them now. I, I'm not sure there was a huge amount they could have done today, really. Hazel 
Hazelwood that manages to, to sort of step up his pace a bit. You thought he was a, a line and length man, but he gets a speeds up to nearly 90 miles an hour. He's quicker than any of England's bowlers. And then you've got Stark and Cummins to handle as well. And, and Nathan Lyon, he's now taken 11 wickets in the series. He's taken Moen Ali's wicket four times in a row, so that Moen's almost a, a walking wicket to Nathan Lyon. And he's, he's giving the other batsmen nothing to hit that's easy. He's preying on Alistair Cook a little bit, who's averaging, I noticed, 15 in, in the series so far. So, you know, the, the Australian bowling attack is, is absolutely superb. The wickets have helped Lyon as well. There's been turned right from the first day, so that's been a huge bonus for him. We've mentioned how much he's on top of his game. I mean, nothing's happened in terms of this Australian bowling attack that we didn't suspect. I mean, we talked about England's fragility with the bat and we talked about Australia's quality with the ball. It's interesting, Steve Smith in his press conference after the game, you know, he's been questioned to some extent, pilloried about his decision not to enforce the follow-on. And he said in response to that, we have got a special attack and we need to look after them. They know that there's not a huge amount underneath. I mean, there are bowlers who are sort of pressing their claims, the likes of Chad Sayers and, and Jackson Bird. But he knows there's not really that sort of top quality underneath and they need to keep these bowlers on the park and that's what they've done so far and they have responded and that was the reason Australia didn't enforce the follow it was funny listening to Steve Smith I mean, he clearly felt the pressure he took a sleeping tablet last night to, to help him get to sleep because he, you know, he, he was feeling the pressure of his decision he said he didn't feel it so much after the third day despite the fact that Australia were 50 for four but after the fourth day when Root and Milan had batted well and Root was still in he said he did you know, there was that nervousness coming to the ground today but Josh Hazelwood just soon dispelled that and once you get one wicket it just eases the pressure just helps you relax and then when you get Root soon after as well you know there's only going to be one outcome it was such a shame that England couldn't have exploited that rather agitated nature of, of Steve Smith's character because you could see if England had just got through, the, say, the first 10 overs and got to 2.20, 2.30, still with four wickets down and, and Wokes holding fort there, that, that then Steve Smith would have started to get a, a bit more worried about it and you could have seen it in his body language and that would have conveyed itself to the Australian players and you know then anything could have happened. Once you get the target to say, 100 to win, or less than 100 to win, it's, it's really very manageable. So, uh, unfortunately, England just lost those first two wickets so quickly. And actually, the other lesson, I suppose, England would learn from the Test match is that nine of England's ten wickets fell in that second innings to full deliveries. The only one that wasn't really was Stoneman, who, who was out sort of trying to force a, a slightly short ball. But actually, all the other nine wickets... Uh, were, were out to full deliveries, either from the spinner or the seamer. Most of them bowled or LBW, one or two caught behind, caught in the slips. But it's a, a lesson that England can learn. I think, you know, if they look back at that test match, they didn't nail it in the first innings. Where, when they had the chance to get Australia sort of 250, 300 all out, they missed their massive opportunity there by, by bowling poorly on the first day. And if you look at the, the kind of deficit in the end, 120 runs, that's probably where they lost it, right? It is, and you could also say as well that you know, when we turned up for the second day, we thought, right, if England can bowl Australia out for 320, or England needs to bowl Australia out for 320, they got 440, and there's your extra 120 runs. It didn't go very well for them on, on the second day either. Joe Root said he made a positive decision. He put Australia into bat. A lot of people have questioned the decision. You know, we've talked about it. You, can't, you can understand why he did that, but England did not respond very well with the ball. 
and that was where clearly that was where the game was lost I mean, obviously you know, the, the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted today but that was where the game was lost on that first day where they failed to make those inroads Joe Root saying he expected England to take 10 wickets on the first day while they only took four in 81 overs and from there Australia got away from them I mean another thing as well about Australia's batting just that discipline Sean Marsh no frills both Man of the Match awards so far have gone to two fairly dull innings, really. Steve Smith, I mean, played superbly at Brisbane, but it wasn't a thing of beauty or particularly exciting. But the two Man of the Match awards have gone to two tough, ruthless, not particularly attractive innings. And that has set up Australia's victory chances in both games. And no one has been able to do that for England yet. Perhaps just a, a few too many shots played, certainly in the first innings, not so much in the second innings, because more today they were bowled out but in that first innings England rather frivolous and they, they paid the penalty I remember the, the description of uh, Ian Chappell actually uh, what, you know the archetypal Australian batsman that, he, that his batting was hewn from granite and in a way both Steve Smith and, and to a lesser extent Sean Marsh the way they batted in the first two tests uh, has almost uh, emulated the, the, the legendary Ian Chappell now what, what do England do looking at the averages of the batsmen Joe Root is the best with 35 although I know Craig Overton actually averages 48 but he's only played in that one game with a, a 41 not out but apart from Joe Root averaging 35 and the Stoneman 33 the, the rest of the batsmen are under 30 Bairstow 27 Milan 27 Moen Alley 26 Vince 25 and Cook 15 so firstly do England do anything about the batting order I, I, I do worry about James Vince out in that sort of rather sucker punch way caught behind in the slips driving at a left arm seamer again he doesn't seem to learn well, it's perverse, isn't it? Actually, the highest score England have made in this series so far was by Vince at Brisbane in that first innings. He made 83 before he was run out. But in a way, he looks the most vulnerable. He looks like a, a player you can get out with a simple plan, which is what's happened so far in his test career. What are the options for England? There aren't very many. Waiting in the wings... Gary Balance, I mean, you know, there's another player, Ben Folkes, who's capable of scoring runs, but he's a, he's a wicketkeeper. Besto certainly doesn't want to give up the, the wicketkeeping gloves. I mean, that you know, is an option, but it's not one that you see England taking. I mean, Besto himself, I mean, he, he's been on this podcast saying, you know, I want to play 100 test matches for England as a wicketkeeper batsman. So the only real option is is Balance. They could change the order, I suppose. They could push Besto to six and Moen Alley to seven, but Joe Root before this test match said, no, that's not going to happen. We see Besto at seven as the best way to go. But he, again, you know, today he was left high and dry, really. He was the last man out having a go at Stark. Anderson was at the other end. You, can, you know, you can understand why he played the shot. He played very nicely, actually, Johnny Besto, until he got out. There aren't that many options. I mean, goodness knows what the team is going to be in Sydney. They might change it around if you know if they're four 0 down going into Sydney, the, the fifth Test match. But there aren't that many options. It's a very inexperienced backup squad. Clearly, they missed Ben Stokes hugely. That's you know, it's a that's a massive blow for them. But it's just been more of the same. It is just a question, I think, of play better. I would just consider possibly moving Milan to three, actually, because I think he gives a bit more. Solidity. I, I would just worry about Vince, and Joe Root does need a bit of protection, proper protection at number four. I would have thought when uh, James Vince goes in at number three, Root will be ready to go at any moment because there just doesn't seem to be any permanence about the way that he bats. 
I guess the other worry for me is Moen Ali, not only with the bat, uh, where he averages 26, and he's got out four times to Nathan Lyon, and you know he's just a walking wicket to the, the off-spinner at the moment, but also, of course, he's, he's bowling. He's only taken two wickets at 98. Uh, I guess he's got a week to recover his finger injury, and perhaps Perth isn't going to be the, the, the ground where he's re- relied on all that much anyway, but England really just... They don't have that extra spin ingredient that's having any impact, whereas Nathan Lyon, for me, is the, the sort of hidden star of the series so far. Mitchell Stark's got the most wickets, 14, but Nathan Lyon's second with 11, and he's just preying on England's left-handers, and he's only conceding 2.2 and over, so that's an area England must focus on. Well, that has been one of the keys for this Australian bowling tag, is that Lyon has, A, been able to hold an end, and B take wickets. Moen has not been able to do either of those things. Admittedly, England do have a five-man attack, so Root has more options. But England are not going to leave Moen Ali out, unless, of course, he's injured. They're not going to bring in Mason Crane, who's hugely inexperienced. Obviously, it would weaken the batting. And, you know, Crane will be hugely under pressure as a bowler. I know he's bowled out here in, in shield cricket. And actually, you know, they, they liked him enough to, you know, to play him in, a, in an important shield match last season. But you, you just can't see him coming in to the England team while the Ashes are still live. And they are still live, but they might not be live for very much longer. Australia clearly have got the chance to, to wrap things up in Perth in the next game. So a familiar story, and it was one we feared. I mean, we, we've talked about this a lot in coming into the series, that the problems that England have and the, the quality Australia have in the right places, i.e. their bowling attack and two star batsmen as well, and the frailties that, that England have. So it's, it's not particularly surprising. I think it's just disappointing today. The sense of disappointment here is that England got themselves back in the game. There was a, you know, a third of a chance, perhaps less than that, and they were just blown away by a ruthless Australia attack. I think we have to be realistic and say, ultimately, Australia is a slightly better team, especially in their own conditions at the moment. But England can play better. Uh, obviously, more runs from Alistair Cook is, is vital, and, and from uh, Joe Root as well. In the end, the key to the Ashes is always going to be the number of runs you score, and England just aren't getting enough at the moment. That's partly due to the excellence of the Australian bowling attack, but England can definitely play better. There can be definitely more runs from both Alistair Cook and Joe Root, who haven't really delivered yet. You know, Joe Root's only scored one second innings century in his test career. He's got 12 in first innings. So to really get the the, the greatness attached to his batting, he's got to deliver more in the second innings. I'm, I'm sure he will in, in the future. But uh, in the meantime, I, England have a chance to play a two-day game and, and sort of regroup a little bit. What are you doing the next few days? Well, heading off to Perth uh, tomorrow and then there's the two-day game at the weekend. So we'll, we'll monitor that and see who plays and who does well. And then the, the Test match is eight days away. Of course, that gives Australia a chance to rest their bowlers. It gives England a chance to rest as well, one or two of their bowlers. I'm thinking of Jimmy Anderson, who got through an enormous amount of workload in this Test match and you know, just hope that he's uh, you know, fit and firing and ready to go at the Wacker. But the way to win out here is big runs and England have not been able to do that so far. Australia's 4.42 for eight was the, the, the crucial score clearly in the match. They got that big first inning score and it helped them to control the game. And, you know, there, there were some slips along the way. There's perhaps a mistake from Steve Smith with not, not enforcing the follow-on. But it, ultimately it didn't matter because they had that big score and they had a control of the game. And we, I'm afraid we can't give you any um, positive news really 
from Adelaide. Uh, it is the same old story, and it's one that um, is not particularly surprising, but it is, I think, frustrating. Um, considering the positions that England have got themselves in this series so far, they've competed at certain times, but Australia have won the, the big moments. They are heading to win the Ashes. And the further gloomy news is that England have only won once in their history in Perth. So uh, it's not looking particularly good. For some mad reason, I've decided to come to Perth to the Wacker Test Match, the, probably the last ever Test Match played at the great WACA ground, which one time was the fastest pitch in the world. I'm just hoping that I'm not attending a wake and England handing back the Ashes 3-0. The focus here now is not really on whether Australia will regain the Ashes, it's whether they'll win the series 5-0. I mean, it's, it's a rather sorry state of affairs. You know, there have been already been two 5-0s in the 21st century, and I don't think there are that many people backing against another 5-0. Uh, it does feel as if it's almost inevitable that Australia will wrap up the Ashes in Perth. Having said that, England show some spirit. They regain their pride, I think, during this Adelaide Test match after a wretched first uh, two and a half days. So, but possibly they can take that into the, the Perth Test match and surprise everyone, like they did in Barbados in the 1990s when Alex Stewart scored those two hundreds in that Test match and they won there for the first time in about a thousand years. Well, you know that's that's the challenge for England because without it, they are sunk in this series. Uh, let's just hope they can find a way of regrouping and, and discover some hidden ingredient which will suddenly surprise the Australians in Perth. We'll speak to you just before the start of that Test match, which begins next Thursday. Look forward to speaking to you then. I look forward to seeing you, Simon, and, of course, speaking to everyone next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.